anyone who's competed in bodybuilding or even thought about competing probably has a pretty good understanding of just how important posing is in your overall outcome at the show. And no one understands that better than today's guest, Autumn Cleveland, who has positioned herself through her decades, yes, decades of experience as a competitor and posing coach as one of the authoritative figures in the industry. So I was excited to get a chance to pick her brain for a little bit and talk about all things related to posing, her preps, her journeys, her outlook on things as a coach as well. It's a good chat, and I'm glad that she took the time to sit down with me. We went overtime on this one quite a bit. She was very generous with her time, and I really appreciate that. So sit tight. Um, that interview is going to start moment. Momentarily. In the meantime, if you are new to the channel, feel free to like the video, subscribe to the channel, turn on notifications, all those things. If you want to check out more about me, you can check out my website, fivestarphysique.com. You can follow me on social media. Instagram is the best place to find me at Darren underscore star. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Autumn Cleveland, thanks for joining us here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we have uh, off camera already had like what feels like a 30 minute conversation. So I feel like we're already best buds here. Um, so uh, let me let me just quickly recap for those playing at home who you are. So you are a figure competitor. Just stop me if I'm wrong here at anything. Uh, <laughs> IFBB pro, two time Olympia competitor what I would call like all around um, women's posing guru. Would that be a fair? Uh... Yeah, mostly I do try to study all of the divisions, but I tend to work mostly with females. Okay. All right. And uh, DJ. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to level that up this year. I'm also an artist, but that's kind of a, a back burner thing right now. Is that any of your stuff in the background that we're looking at there? I'm trying to think. Oh, over here. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of my ink paintings I forgot about. <laughs> All right. I mean, I see a suit, a couple of suits and shadow boxes there. So. Yeah, those are my, my Olympia suits over here. And that was my pro suit that I turned pro and I can't fit it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a sign that there's some progress that's been made. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or it got washed one too many times and it shrunk or maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. Oh, it was, it was definitely that one growing. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the most pressing question on everybody's mind. Um, what is your DJ name? Right now I'm just going with DJ Automatic because I can't think of anything else uh, that, <laughs> DJing is still somewhat new, but it's not. I've been a closet DJ for like six or seven years now, but I've never, I've never actually had a lesson. A closet so, DJ. <laughs> yeah, like my dogs and boyfriend, I feel sorry for them, but they make me feel like I'm the best DJ in the world. But when I get out in public, I'm like, what am I even doing? Like, do I know what I'm doing? So my actually, bought a dj course back around like thanksgiving and my goal this year is to set up homework for myself so i can actually start learning these things so nice. it's still in its its newbie phase <laughs> so this uh this then would explain the uh, instagram handle yeah well actually that came way before djing was even a thing is that just <laughs> like a nickname why, that's kind of why i'm using it now yeah it's just um i actually don't even know where that came from to be honest with you I think I started using Instagram somewhere around like 2013 and I was like, what's this, what's a clever thing with my name that isn't bottom, autumn bottom. So <laughs> I just went with something else. I mean, that's kind of clever too. So in, in, in a middle school kind of way. So, uh, yeah, only word that rhymes with my name. <laughs> is it really? 
Oh man, you're going to get me going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, probably, be, you're I probably shouldn't. I know, I know. God. So, um, <laughs> you've been competing for a while. This is not yeah, something new to you. Um, do you have any pictures of yourself in a one piece figure suit? Absolutely. I lived so, in that where, gosh, I can't even remember when that went away to really. Um, but yeah, we used to have to wear two different suits and in in, it got expensive. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so whatever day that went away, it needs to be commemorated and celebrated as a holiday in the bodybuilding industry. Yeah, because that was that was a bad idea from the start. Oh, I, I hated that. It's like, what's the point of hiding your abs for half the show? That that was as far as a um, what we're set out to do for like the job thing. I'm with you on that. Um, but there's always I've always loved the 80s and it felt like an 80s leotard. And I was like, this is this is how fitness was back then. They were like the the one pieces with the pantyhose. <laughs> it does have some retro vibes, and you know, I, I yeah. if there wasn't the if there wasn't the cost associated with it, like it would be fun to bring that back as like a oh, you know, yeah. like a separate <laughs> round just for kicks. Yeah, like if there or um, like how some divisions they have like the morning show and then at the night show they have like their performance. Like we don't have that in figure, but it would be fun to to implement those things there's one one piece that i can still get on my body but again it fits very differently now but all the other ones <laughs> i can't even fit into <laughs> you kind of have to be careful how you move in it a little robotic maybe <laughs> no no yeah. sudden twists and turns right <laughs> yeah so how long did you sorry go ahead what was that i was just saying like that I'm, I'm from that era of competing so that says a lot just about how the whole di division has changed in 21 years <laughs> well and that, that's the perspective that i'm looking for here too because a lot of people you know they aren't aware that that was ever a thing um <laughs> and it's almost like a code at this point like you bring that up and you're like yeah yeah like i remember when i had a tv and i had to walk up to it to change the channel like that's how right. old i am oh no yeah sorry i'm getting a, a call here let me decline that um so there. how how long did you compete as an amateur before earning pro status it was 15 years no is that right it was at least 15 years i turned pro in 2018 what year is it <laughs> it's 2024 now yeah so i think somewhere close to there Wow. Okay. Yeah. 15, 15 years. And then I turned pro in 2018. And then, yeah, that puts us here. <laughs> okay. So here's a question. I have a bunch of questions from people here that I want to get to, but this is one of my, oh, cool. so that just off the cuff here, what would you say? And uh, multi-part question here. Um, do you see this to be uh, the same kind of issue that I do? And what would you say about people who feel like they need their pro card in their first or second year of competing? I say good luck and I wish the best for you because that's very rare. <laughs> um, if you are not just genetically blessed enough, but blessed enough to have a good coach and you're in your prime and you can make fast progress like that, I am jealous and I applaud you. Um, but that's very uncommon. And that's kind of like, I look at it as just, you know, we all have different life experiences and I personally don't know that I speak the same language as people who could make fast progress like that. I'm, I've always been the delayed gratification, the long, I always use the tortoise and the hare analogy. I'm definitely the hare. So I can talk to people who don't succeed on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, but people who do succeed on the first time, 
I can have some conversation with them, but there comes a point where we're just we're just talking different stories here, and I I learn from them, but I can't relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I can I same here, same. Um, yeah, it's I it's think... it's amazing, but I would say, especially that I don't think that gets opened up enough, especially with like social media, what people do see as what they think is like a a normal rate of progress or success. Um, I'm sure even digging further back before social media was such a thing, it was almost like a- applauded if you stuck around for a while when you failed the first few yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. It like earns you some respect. Yeah. Um, They're like, they showed back up. <laughs> it, it does show uh, like a level of grit that I think um, is yeah. not as present uh, as as I would like it to be, you know, old man here yelling at clouds, but you know, that's just, that's kind of my personality type. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I, I would also liken myself to an old man yelling at the clouds. Um, <laughs> it's something that I, I love when I do see that in another athlete, like I love going to national shows. It takes me right back to where I was fighting. And I see that in people where they're like, they're almost breaking through and you can tell they're about to have those epiphanies and they're frustrated. And I'm like, some really awesome shit's about to happen. So I, w- I watch those people. And um, you know, I mean, you, you've been through this, so, you know, like you, I'm sure you've competed <laughs> in many national shows. It's not like somebody, you, who, somebody like you who has the resilience to stick through it and compete as an amateur for 15 years. It's not like missing out on those victories feels good. I mean, it's frustrating. It fucking sucks. Oh my God. Painful, but, very painful. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's this there there is this perception um, like the people who stick through it it just doesn't phase them as much, but it does. I think like it it still yes. feels the sting it still stings the same way. Yeah, and like luckily I have learned how to convert that into fuel in a in a healthier uh, I shouldn't say, I'm not gonna say a healthy <laughs> way but a way that's conducive for me um, <laughs> instead of falling into a downward spiral or a depression about it. I get, I allow my, I permit myself to feel what I feel as long as I use it in the gym. And as long as I don't hurt myself physically, <laughs> but I, I, ang- I angry lift. Okay. That's good. That's good. Experience yeah. And knowledge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, when, whenever something hits me and it puts me in a bad mood, um, my wife is a good centering um, uh, personality because she will tell me something like, you get 15 minutes to be pissed off about that. And then you got to move on. <laughs> oh yeah. That's um, something I love that my boyfriend, we've been together for 12 years. I, ha- I call him my boyfriend cause we're not technically married, but we are in, in heart. Um, he, he's very grounding for me in that way. Like he's really good at offering a different perspective, but we have adopted this mode, even outside of bodybuilding, like where, whatever you're feeling, do that to the maximum, like acknowledge your feelings wallow in it as long as you need so that you can move forward but i believe that when we suppress these feelings that we can't really truly move forward because there's still some background things running and and that goes in both uh what i would call like failure and success and so one of my issues that i've been trying to get better at through therapy is i might have a high success but if i don't allow myself to celebrate that it's almost surreal like it never happened so my first olympia was so such a blur that for the six months after that i had this like imposter syndrome that i couldn't draw because i didn't i didn't ever stop to celebrate turning pro and i never stopped to celebrate 
competing in the Olympia, something I tried for 20 years and I finally got there. I just, it was always like, what's next? And then for the next six months I suffered from, can I do it again? Was that even real? <laughs> so yeah. well, I, it gets I to, believe that's important. There, there gets to be a point where it's like, what, what's next? And it's like, well, the same thing that I just did only better. Like there isn't necessarily like a next level. It's like, no, this is it. And so now I just need to do better at this same thing that I just did. Yeah. And it's a, it's a different kind of reframing. I would also say like you need, you said you need to allow yourself to wallow in it a little bit if necessary, <laughs> yeah. which, which I agree with, but I would also say not to the point where you drag other people down with you. Like there gets Agreed. to be a point where it's like, you gotta <laughs> like, okay, step back. Like, yeah. Some people yeah. kind of struggle with that. Like they're, they're definitely their default mode is to try and drag other people down with them in hopes that they can get like a little bit of equalization from them or something. Yeah. And I do like, I don't I actually don't vocalize my actual thoughts and feelings a lot for that reason. I don't want to, you know, if it's not going to, it's not going to help me or that person, then why are we talking about it? So I do offload to Derek some, but then there even comes a point where he would listen to me all day. He's just that supportive. But I think like, is it okay? Do I need to really bitch about this anymore? Am I going to do something about it now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. si side note on Derek also like props to the man for his reels. Like, yes. I mean, those hit home so hard to me, like the whole married a bodybuilder thing. Like I didn't, oh my, my wife God, isn't, so but funny. like, I can imagine like somebody right creating a reel like that about me, like very relatable, <laughs> which is why they've kind of blown up the way they have, but like really yeah. hilarious stuff too. Oh, he has such a funny, what, that's what's so amazing about him is he endures what every partner of a competitor endures, but he just has a very positive, fun and grateful attitude toward it. That that's why it, that's why it can be funny, but it is really tough. Like we work very hard at our relationship and our life. Um, he just enjoy. He just happens to choose to enjoy it. <laughs> well, I mean, you you can either get pissed off by it and have and be less patient, or just find the humor in it. Which right. let let's be very clear here. And I say this a lot. My audience has heard me say this before. Bodybuilding is fucking weird. Like any way you shake it. Like imagine being visited. You know, aliens come to the planet, and the first place they go to is a bodybuilding show. Are they just going to say, you know what? We just need to blow up the whole planet. I mean, like, it's a oh weird God, fucking thing. So weird. Like, I, for, sometimes I'm so, I'm blessed now that my, almost my entire world is someone who at least, they might not understand bodybuilding, but that they support me in it or others who want to do it. I actually have a ton of respect for people who have no desire to bodybuild, but they still support someone who does. But when I break this down into an elevator speech, I'm like, well, what is actually going on here? I don't even know what the fuck's going on here. Like when I look at stuff, okay, here, here we are standing in minimal clothes in front of thousands of strangers being judged. And for me, that's also like a funny area because I was bullied as a kid and that's what turned me into bodybuilding and that bullying came with its own set of judgment. So why did I choose a sport that I am literally, my outcome is based on a judgment. I have a and theory. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's accurate. <laughs> My theory is it puts you con in control of how you are judged. Yep. You're being judged on very specific criteria. 100%. And that's that, that that's you my that you, you you put all of your effort <laughs> into trying to match those criteria which are, you know, you can say what you want about judging and st judging standards, but those criteria are established in some ways. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's some predictability. That, you're right. That is taking taking the control back, which I'm glad that I found bodybuilding in order to be able to do that because I don't know what that would look like if I didn't have <laughs> that to pour, to pour into. Yeah. Uh, but it is such an it's a very common misconception, and I want to say this carefully because it can be done in an optimally healthy way, but it is extreme, and I think that's what people miss. It's just those extremes. I don't want to say that it's healthy or not or it's safe or not. It's just when you compete, you're turning up the dial so much that um, that's the part I don't know if people are fully prepared for when they say, I want to do a competition. And that's something I kind of discuss with people before I will work with them as a prep coach is like, let them know, like, here's what you're getting, here's what you're signing up for. And I'm going to guide you through it, but you need to know these things up front because it's not easy and it's, it's, there are going to be times where you're questioning if it's healthy, even on a mental level. <laughs> right. Your mind is great, but is your head on straight? That's, that's, that's what I've struggled with in the past for sure. It's like, yeah. you know, okay, I look okay. I'm healthy, but fuck me. I'm a mess. Oh my God. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I hate everything about myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's rough. Um, and, uh, I forgot where I was going with that anyway. Um, <laughs> That's going to happen a lot, by the way. So same here. Yeah, there's <laughs> a fun, there's, fun conversation. <laughs> there's no pressure here. Um, so you mentioned you're a prep coach. Do you also work with non-competitors as well, or are you just firmly in the competition world? Just in competition now. And to be completely honest, I the, my business is now. Gosh, I think. My business is officially like ten years old on paper, but I've I've been doing this. I didn't even like in college for fun. Um, so at the beginning, I was a personal trainer and I worked with general lifestyle athletes just their health because at that point in time, there really wasn't prep coaching. I mean, pe people right. cut, but it wasn't what it is now. And it's, it's become such a booming area, but it's still a great area. And so when I graduated from college, I thought, well, I've got a degree and I've got like, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm supposed to train people. That's what I went to college for um but over time i just got I, part of me got burnt out with training in general because i wanted people to want it as much as i did yeah and so you my, can't you can't force that in somebody if it's no. not there and so that's when i started to ask myself i'm like am i even the best person for this person <laughs> i started to realize that wasn't a positive or a negative thing it's just um I always felt like there was someone who could help them better because that was what met their needs without the pressure. If you're constantly I, wanting more out of them than they're able or willing to give you, it's, it's kind of like, yeah. And I had some really awesome clients and they were amazing people. And I love to this day, I love them, but I didn't feel good taking their money because we just weren't making any progress. And it wasn't, yeah, again, I don't want to say false because everybody it's, it's a struggle for anybody. Uh, yeah. to adhere to anything uh, really unless you just are different um but it's i think that's where i where i started to feel the most alive was when i met other competitors who were driven and that's where i was like okay i can only offer so much capacity a day who do i really want to work with so it wasn't really what job do i have what a what what's my dream job it was more of who do i who do i enjoy working with and what do i enjoy contributing and i could just you know, always wanted, always wanted to be able to talk about mindset, but I can't do that when we can't even get 
through step one. Yeah, I, I found that I always want to work with people who have like some energy to reciprocate with. Not that they're yeah. doing it for me, but you, you kind of feed off their energy and you get something back as opposed to somebody who just like sucks it out of you. Yeah, I'm like, I, I have had a handful of people who I can say that we're just not, our personalities didn't mesh and that's okay. Um, but also just, there is just something different about, I'm going to say athletes, not necessarily competitors, any, any kind of an athlete. Um, there's just so much more to unlock there that, that I know that I can contribute. Whereas, and again, this is not even a negative thing. There are some people that they don't want major change. They just want comfortability, which is perfectly good, but I'm not, I can't even bring myself to do that. So how am I supposed to else do that? You know? <laughs> when, when I when I have a potential client who who reaches out to me and they're like, yeah, I really want to improve my mobility. I'm like, no, like that that's a great goal, but I am not your guy. I can promise you that. Like watch yeah. me move around for a day and, and see if you want me to help you with that. Like, fuck no, man. Like there's a million trainers out there that can help you with that. I am not one of them. That's the thing. I love nothing more than than saying I'm not the best for you, but but I know this one person who is. And I still learn from that person too. Like, even though I send people to other professionals, I am still picking that professional's brain so that I can learn, but it's better for all of us. If I just refer out to the appropriate person, everybody's happier. Learn what you can <laughs> and then move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that that's, that's a brilliant move. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> so uh, let, let's talk posing a little bit. So you're, you're kind of like, you're, you're kind of a big deal in the posing space. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with that or not, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, in fact, you, you have like a, a little live something going on tonight, correct? I mean, yes. this won't be, this won't be posted by the time this happens, but like you, you do stuff like you have, co uh, you have courses available, you do posing sessions, you have like Q and A's and stuff like that. Like you're in it in as many different ways as you can be. You do seminars. Yes. I, yeah, touching on all of those points, um, that was something that, that developed out of necessity. When I first started trying to coach people before I would even say I was a prep coach, there was nobody where I live that could even be a resource for me. So I had to, I had to travel to like Ohio to learn, um, from posing clinics from our judges. I don't know if anybody remembers Jenny Lynn, but she was figure Olympian at the time. And I met with her one, I got one random session with her just because she happened to be coming through Louisville. Um, that was around 2009, maybe, maybe 2008. Um, so finding someone to teach me these things was really difficult. So I started branching outside of my area. And at the time there were a lot more male instructor like porter Cottrell lives here oh, and I've, that's a I've name i haven't heard in a long time yeah he's awesome i still like even last i think uh it may have been earlier this summer i even went to him again to see if i could pick up on anything that he knew about that that my posing could be better even though he's a retired bodybuilder he is also very particular about posing posing cool. is his art so i yeah. find other posing coaches who think along the same way um but i I actually sit and when I go to attend posing clinics or when I'm teaching them, I'm listening to the instructors for the male divisions just as much as I am for the women's stuff because it's still muscles. It's still the same. 
but it's still muscles and you're you're doing things with a specific intent like oh we're trying to show this oh well maybe we we'll want to show that in figure too yeah and it helps me contrast too so like if i look at a male bodybuilder's quarter turns those should look starkly different than a figure competitor's quarter turns they better <laughs> and then and i get to see why not just yeah. not just the heels and apparel but what what are they doing differently and why are they doing it differently and what messages are they sending and so I love um, like next next week I'm going to Orlando for the women's clinic to help I'm going to DJ that part of it but I'm also going to help instruct it and then in a few weeks I'm going to go up to New York and attend one led by Steve Weinberger to learn as a student I'm not instructing and I'm just going to sit in and even as an olympian there's still things i can do better so I, I, I want to be dissected by people like that so that i can be under the microscope with my own posing so that i know how to help other people but then um that, those are things that we discuss um i have a question with, on that because that yeah. that opens up something uh, an interesting can <laughs> of worms here so um <laughs> like i would say like you have like a pretty nuanced approach when it comes to posing like you're you're not just like big picture okay flare your lats chest up engage the quads it's like there's fucking levels of detail to this shit and so you oh like my hand God. positioning all this thing so it's like you're not you're not a novice you're not like pretty good like you're really into it here so you go to a clinic with a guy like steve weinberger now i imagine like you may have potentially i'm not trying to start shit here you may have some differences opinion with him on how he likes to see certain things presented versus how you like to do it but he's a judge so how much does that factor into how you like to teach things like do you say like hey some judges like this even though this is objectively better but steve he kind of favors this so eh, how do you handle that um as rawly as i can and so what i mean by that <laughs> i so with the posing courses that i that i offer those are meant to get people in the general structures of a pose it's it's a base but then when we get into the advanced parts or the really individual needs for posing, um, I, I'm truthful with my competitors and I'll, I'll use myself as the example this year. So a lot of people know this and some don't, I have scoliosis and no matter how long I've been doing this, <laughs> there's also the component of symmetry that I have to cue my body to do on top of actual posing. That's through my lifting, that's through sitting at a computer, that's everything that I do on a daily basis. I have to be mindful of that. And so um, I feel pretty good about my posing, but I know that there it's not always perfect because I'm constantly battling change as my body adapts around the scoliosis stuff. So closer to the Olympia this last season, I went to two judges who I know were my biggest critics, but also that they know they they know how to help me. And I asked them, I said, you know what, how can this be better? They called me out on some things, which I took that as kind of excitement because I was like, oh, wait, one day when I get this down, now I'll know how to help somebody else in that regard. But it was so, it was so much on my mind <laughs> having to do all of these things. And I started to hear this, um, there is this phrase, like having too many cooks in the kitchen. And yeah. What I was starting to do is take my one question and I would ask a few different judges, but even over time, I, I have kind of narrowed down which judges fit me best in terms of feedback. Oh, that was a carefully I, constructed phrase right there. Yeah, because I don't <laughs> want to like, 
I think all judges do their best. I truly believe that all judges do their best. But even some judges, our top judges will say, I want to see this differently, but I'm not opposing coach. So I don't know how to tell you how to do that. And I appreciate that. Because then if they say something that my brain's going, you know, it's already dissecting this, I have to remember they're not opposing coach. They may have used a verbiage that they that wasn't quite clear. You may have to us. run. You may have to run it through the translator a little bit. Yeah, in your own yeah, language. And that, yeah. So that that's kind of my goal as a opposing resource. I want to help bridge the gap between judges and competitors, judges and their prep coaches, because I I hear both sides. Um, but of course, every single judge is going to have a different preference. That's the hard part of our sport. <laughs> yeah, especially but, when you get a panel of five of them up there, like. <laughs> yeah. And this year, I I heard probably five different things about the same the same pose, yeah. and it was very frustrating. And when I got up there, I thought all I can do is my best, and if I if I do my best, I'm probably going to please at least three out of five. Um, but I know that on that day on show day, I am not going to be every single judge's preference, or even if I was, I could still be better. They might, sure. my feet, I could win a show, but my feedback might still come back. You didn't quite nail this pose or we'd like to see this instead. I mean, I and think that's the, the thing that we all want as competitors is to do well and still get like really clear feedback on what can be better. Like that's the best that's of both idea. possible outcomes. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's still subjective. And even though there are parameters that are very clearly laid out from, I love, the way that Becky breaks things down. Becky Clawson does an amazing job of basically translating what she sees and what they what words mean. <laughs> I use her, I I show her stuff to everybody because she just kind of goes that extra inch to show visibly, like, well, here's what we want to see, here's what we don't want to see. Here's where, you know, that that helps my brain. And I know it helps other competitors. But um Especially having a visual reference because you can describe this stuff all day long, but as soon as you can see, oh no, yes, like that helps yeah. so much. And but I will say there is a benefit, I think, to getting to know your judges. And how many competitors actually do that? Very how few. many competitors actually I I make it a point to get to know judges as people, not judges then I start to kind of pick their brain more on like, well, why do you like to see this? What don't you like to see? Why not? And then I get to collect their answers. And if there's an overlap, that's kind of my answer. But if there's differences, then I can at least at the end of the day, whatever the outcome is, I can at least say, well, that's their preference and they have a right to that. Obviously they know what they're doing. We're talking about Olympia judges here. I firmly believe that every judge knows what they're doing. And I know that because they are trained. I've chest test judged three times in Kentucky. I know how the standard is expected and measured every year. Those judges' jobs are not easy, but they're still entitled to their preference, which is why they are selected. So it's not, um, I don't question that. And I, and I can sleep with that because I also know how scoring works. And I know that the top and bottom scores are tossed out. So if a judge doesn't like my posing or my look, if their score gets tossed out, doesn't impact you. 
doesn't impact it. Yeah, and so I, there, there's one example I had a client go through, and this was not in the NPC, this was an OCB show, and she got feedback from the judges, and I kind of took this feedback as like, you know, good and bad. So the, the good is like, well, clearly the judges aren't talking to each other and, and collaborating on their feedback or anything like that. But one was like, you were too lean, and the other one was, you need to come in about six pounds leaner. And uh, she was only mm -hmm. at like 122. So six pounds is a pretty dramatic drop. And this is in the bikini yep. division. So it's like, man, those are some widely different opinions there on what that division should be bringing to the show. That's actually part of what I teach my, so my opposing course members is who I do the, the live, the Q&A sessions with. And my goal with those is to teach the, the competitors what questions specifically to ask the judges. So if I ask a broad question, I'm going to get a broad response. But if I make a very specific question or a this or that, and the judge answers that specifically, now I have my answers. So with that example, my next question would be, are we talking purely about body fat and conditioning or are we also addressing, are we discussing muscular density, muscular fullness? Could it have been the pose? So when I ask for my personal feedback, I say, was my conditioning on point or should it have been different? I don't say, was I too lean or not? I say, you know, what <laughs> did I nail conditioning? And if the answer was no, then I can probably guess I should have been a little bit leaner. But if they say, no, your conditioning was perfect, then I say, well, was I lacking in muscular development or shape? So you can have differently sized muscles, but that all ties into your genetic shape and your symmetry. Then I say, was my posing displaying that? Because I can't tell you how many times someone goes, and I, I can assess this because I compete a lot. I mean, I've done shows that are five days apart. So there's really Good not Lord. much that can change in five days, right? But I've had some shows where my feedback was, you need more back density. You need a, a wider back. And then in five days, I changed my posing and that was not the feedback. <laughs> so I still think I need to build my back, but I also know I've had, I, sometimes the only reason I go to compete at a show is so that I can do something different on stage with my posing so that I can get a clear answer for the future. So, like so la ladies and gentlemen, the take home point from what Autumn is saying here is that when you <laughs> ask for feedback from the judges, do not email the judge and say, hey, do you have any feedback for me? Like, oh, my God, get, don't do get that. specific with your questions. Yeah, like I'm, I'm actually um, I'm probably going to need to do this soon. I need to put out like a, a webinar on how to ask for feedback, because first of all, it's it's not even it, it's a favor that the judges do for us if they can because they they still have grown up jobs like everybody else and they still Yeah, I mean the, the the last show that I did I emailed three judges and I never heard back from any of them. No, and I think like like I said judging is judging is an extremely hard job. It's mentally taxing. I can't imagine how the judges And no, nobody likes you. Everybody's going to be pissed at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the people who the people who don't understand you are going to point fingers first, but I think yeah, of course. that's why I try to educate my competitors to let them know like how things actually are. And, and that way they, I would say I'm actually really proud of my competitors and how they conduct themselves with judges because of that. Uh, but they're not, they're not the enemy. They're not the bad guy. In fact, judges are out to help you. That's why they put these posing clinics on. Yeah. So 
that's my comfort is that I can I can look down at the whole judging panel and say this person wants me to succeed but I have to do my job and if I drop the ball whose fault is that not theirs <laughs> it's mine <laughs> they but showed up they did their job yeah and so like even with with um asking for judging feedback efficiency is important too I've got some judges that I I know they I'm even shocked if they have time to read my email let alone respond to it so I try to condense my questions to make it easy for them to give me feedback um some of them if i know them personally and i catch them in passing i just ask them would you would you rather me email you or do you want to tell me right now they're like don't email me i'm going to tell you right now because i just (laughs) saw you and then i don't have to respond to an email 100 so every single judge is different and i respect their boundaries i don't always get a response and i don't expect a response but if if i'm going to ask them these questions, I want to make it as easy as possible for them, but also as clear as possible for me so that it's not a repeat circular conversation or I'm left with confusion. And I think that's worked pretty well because every single show, well, I would say at least 99% of the shows that I do, I do show up better and it's only because the judges give me feedback and I do my best to complete that. But the other thing to keep in mind about feedback with judges also, especially if it's emailed a few days after the show, like you're looking at a show that has two, three, 400 competitors in it. And so that judge is now going to be judging you based off of photos that they have or that you send them. Like they're not going to remember that stuff. Like they looked at hundreds Uh, of people that day. They can't remember you. (laughs) You would actually be shocked what they do remember. Well, I'm just thinking I couldn't remember that shit. <laughs> oh my God, Sandy! I don't know what kind? I don't know what kind of file cabinet exists in her brain. <laughs> it's incredible. Like you don't have like of course, I always send a picture. Of course, like they need a reference. Yeah. But some judges, they they are just detail oriented people, and they'll remember the color of your suit. They'll remember your hair. They remember everything. And I'm like, how do you remember this? So that that always amazes me. And I'd when be like, wait, do. I judged that show on Saturday? I don't remember that. Hold on. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, I wish there was more understanding of how judges do things and what they what the way that they analyze. Um, I think that would help a lot of people in the sport. And I think the judges are doing their best to get that out there. But I also think a lot of people don't want to hear it. That's fair. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean... 100 percent like, the <laughs> no they, they want to hear compliments they want to hear good things and, <laughs> and yeah and, and when you when you ask a judge you're going to get the truth and you you it might be hard to to read or hear yeah yeah um so in advance mm-hmm. of this that we're gonna we're gonna cut to a, a sponsored segment here real quick <laughs> for first one ever actually not sponsored but it's a plug um so in advance of this i went ahead and purchased your figure posing course because i wanted to get an idea of like what what's in this thing and also as you said like you know always learning right and one of the things yeah. that i really struggle with with a lot of my clients because i'm not a posing coach is teaching somebody that has a low level of body awareness how to flare their lats and how to yeah. just so that i can see them in your progress pics like you know yeah, you see it all the is- time where you see a back pose where their shoulders are hunched forward like this or like they're they're like trying to fit through a really narrow doorway in their front <laughs> pose like this and it's like how and so i i watched your um the the sections of the course on that and a few other things as well just to get a little flavor for what's in there so <laughs> the the plug for anybody listening or might be interested in this is it's 
more detailed than you might think. Um, just the whole thing, like really well done on that. As a guy who is trying to put together some courses myself, um, I know that the work that goes into that and just designing <laughs> it and making it a comprehensive experience and you've done a really good job with that. So kudos, it's really good. Thank you enough for saying that. First of all, thanks for checking the course out, but like it has been, it's been a lot of work, but it's been fun and rewarding, but that's, that's, that's what's great for me is that even though I've been doing this for 21 years and I'm at the level that I'm at, I am constantly putting myself back in that first time seat. And just like you said, like awareness, it's like how I've never responded well when someone who is trying to teach me a pose just puts their body in a pose and says, do this. Do this. Yeah. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, that doesn't help me. Like, I'm glad that you can pose. Now, how are you going to, how are you going to help me with that? Um, so I have been through my rounds of posing instruction and that's why I only, I only use one other person who is not a judge for my posing. And I try not to do that too often because I don't want to accidentally like replicate that. I try not to, to get too many lessons from the same person because I don't want to copy. Um, but it's just like art. You're still inspired. You still start to speak the same languages. You have your Um, influences. Yeah. And so like, I always try to give credit where it's due, but that, that alone has kind of put me back in the position where I say, well, what is a, what does a first time competitor need to know? And not just with the poses, but also the expectations for show. So like with the, within the course, that's why I put that stage scenarios in there because the, yeah. I've talked to people who they live in such a small area that they don't, they don't have access to actually be at a bodybuilding show. So then the question is, yeah, you've learned all these poses. Now, what do you do with it? And YouTube is not a good resource um, to watch. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, it's a resource, but yeah. Um, yeah, not the best. I, I also really liked your side assist angles. So like seeing the back mm-hmm. pose from the side, like, yeah. yeah, because it looks so different than people would think without having seen that. I am so glad that you appreciate that, that you can see that. Like, we, that's kind of what I want to, I want to make this course so digestible that it would be ridiculous not to take it yeah. um and no you, have, you have different back. versions for bikini figure and wellness as well so you're breaking down the poses yeah. for each of those categories in their own separate courses yeah and my goal this year is i've got a lot of demand for like a women's physique course or like bodybuilding women's bodybuilding um so there's still some refining that i want to do anytime i get on these live calls with my members i ask them like you know what would you like to see in the courses if there's a demand for a certain topic then i put it in the course or if i learn something different with posing then i update it or if the rules you'll, you'll go back and revise a section and yeah so like when wellness when wellness first started they were required to wear their number on the left hip bone just like figure was even though bikini could go either way so the first year the course existed i taught only that one front pose but then when they decided oh we're going to let them wear the number on either hip bone i had to update the course because that was a standard change in the division but also as i figure things out differently so like the judges when i put myself in the student seat i i'm mentally checking off my posing course to make sure it's up to par with what the judges want to get across so it's not verbatim i never try to say something for a judge but i will pull actual things that they say and then i'll try to translate that and so um like just this year, there were some changes that some judges made 
that it has taken me a while to figure out how to get myself to do that. But now that I have, now I can add that to the course. So I also go to like just other movement type things like yoga classes or um, I'm not a good dancer, but I'd like to get into some dance classes to explore <laughs> just basically so I can put myself in a position where I say, this is not my area. And how did this person teach me how to get there? So I do yeah. pull from other um, types of learning in body language or body movement in verbiage. And then I take that to posing because some people respond great on a, um, we'll call it a, an advanced language level. Like when we talk about like internal and external rotation, some people know exactly what that means, but most people don't, or they might know it in a movement at the gym. But when you're thinking from, t from head to toe on how to pose your body, not only does that not sink in, but are you really going to remember all of those terminologies on stage in the moment? No, you're not. So let me make it stupid for you. Let me make it very simple. I love it <laughs> when people make it stupid. Oh my God, me too. I can, I can take, I can take something that is actually 20 things for you to think about and condense it into three so that you can actually do it. That's and what I, I need. Give me the idiot version. Yeah, I can help you. Nice, <laughs> nice. But that is that is kind of like my philosophy is like almost more so like how do we get your foundations positioned and then layer on the detailed stuff as opposed to like being overwhelmed with details. Yeah. So like well, you've got yeah. you've got other cool stuff in there as well. Like you've got like a stage makeup tutorials, you've got some mindset <laughs> things. So it's yeah. like you've got the basics, but then it's like, hey, let's branch out a little bit. And um, yeah. with with the course that I'm working on, it's largely a training related course. Um, oh, cool. And uh, but then I'm like, well, you know, I should probably plug in some dietary basics in here so that somebody can like know how to, you know, kind of manipulate their diet a little bit on a basic level. Like mm -hmm. it's not a, it's not a meal plan, but Hey, let's talk about how you track macros. If you haven't done that before. Cool. And it's like, yeah. Oh, we should probably talk about some mindset. Oh, you know what? There's a whole chapter <laughs> of things that we need to talk about on like understanding body mechanics before you even get to the, it's a fucking rabbit hole. And now of like, okay, well this course is going to have 97 videos in it now. And <laughs> But that, how cool is that, that you're like, oh, I see a need for this and I'm excited to talk about it. And it's funny, you're, as you're talking about that, when you started to break it down into all those components, the first thing I thought of was the Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding. Yeah. You know how thick that book is. <laughs> yeah. That was a coffee table book and it's probably because Arnold couldn't condense it down into just some exercises. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had my copy <laughs> until I gave it to a client, so. <laughs> Mine's falling apart, I can't. I can't open the book. I can I can stack the pages because the binding has gone. <laughs> shit. But that's um with with the course itself, because I'm a prep coach and this is not a prep coaching course, there are lines that I need to draw and And that's the it, smart thing to do because you make your life you, you make the course creatable at that point when you just draw a delineating line and say, Nope, we're not gonna touch that. Yeah. And that's, that's mostly out of respect for other coaching relationships too. Like, and, and I'll tell people on my live calls, can't discuss, um, because it doesn't fall. If it falls under stage performance, yes. But if it falls into anything outside of that, it's usually a no. Um, because I don't want to say something that might be conflicting with their prep coach's opinion that I say, you need to ask a judge or you need to ask your prep coach. Yeah. Um, but it is also hopefully a way to, cover some things that 
I would say, especially between males and females, there's just a line of either comfortability or appropriateness. And I don't expect all male coaches to be able to talk about those things with their female co uh, clients because they genuinely might not know or they might not be comfortable talking about these things. So those are those are things I do try to put in the course that it's like, here's what you need to consider. Here's what you need to prepare for so that you don't have to ask your coach these things. Right. <laughs> but right. it is also what? meant to be a tool to help coaches do their job easier because not all prep coaches are opposing coaches. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I think it, it's it's good for the industry to like create a little bit of delineation and separation between the roles because some yeah. of them, so, some prep coaches are posing coaches and they're good ones. Some of them like me, I've done a little bit of posing here and there, but I know it's not my strength. And it was really only because, um, you know, we had a schedule that clicked and it worked. Okay, great. Um, right. And it's like, okay, I did okay. And also <laughs> it's like, I'm not charging you for this because I know it's not very good, but we're going to get the basics covered here. Okay. So, um, but yeah. I think it's good to, for me, know my limits, but also like understand that those are separate roles and sometimes they cross over, but oftentimes they don't. And I think it's just good for people to learn that and get a, a good uh, respect for that too. And that's, uh, I, I applaud you for making that professional decision too, because I do know some, well, I don't know them personally, but I have heard of some horror stories where, someone forks out a lot of money for a prep coach because they they were it's implying that they were going to teach their posing and then it's two weeks out from the show and they haven't learned anything yeah they're like hey when are we going to start posing it's like oh yeah you're, I was you're, like, you're fucked yeah well so i mean that does kind of bleed into another area where i also do consulting and i just hear a lot i hear a lot of things that i don't love about service relationships in this industry there are some really 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 incredible coaches with awesome integrity and their clients love them but i also have some consultations where the person's just in tears because they are so frustrated with their coach yeah, yeah. um so yeah. there's also times where i try to mend those relationships for them so they can still stay with their coach but there's other times where on, I don't say it, but on my end, I'm thinking, why, why are you still paying this person? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that there is a problem with coaching, just the industry in general, because, uh, I mean, first and foremost, you need a coach that can conduct themselves as a professional. And by that, I mean, like, just, I, I often joke that, you know, just being able to respond to an email in a timely fashion puts me in the top 50 percentile of all coaches out there. Um, which is sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's not hard. A, a day's delay, but and and um, I'm really fortunate to have my clients kind of roll with me as I adjust my systems, especially when I'm in season and I'm competing. Yeah, um, it can get challenging, but they are supportive and they understand. And sometimes I have to ask them, like, "Hey, are you guys okay with getting your check-ins on this time and me not responding for 24 hours because I'm going to be on a plane, you know, like things like yeah. that. I mean, I, I consider like time management to be my superpower. So that's like the one thing I'm like, <laughs> yeah, if, if you get me your check-in stuff, I will not only respond same day, but I'll probably respond within a couple hours realistically. Yes. But I also like, I train my clients. I'm like, this is when I need your stuff. Do not be late with it. If you are late with it, you will get a nasty email from me because I am the fucking boot camp drill sergeant here and you're going to meet my schedule. Okay. That's Just funny. because, well, I like, I like instilling that into people because it, it, it enforces the importance of routine in bodybuilding. Like 
do this shit consistently. Be on t- if someone's late with their check-in, I'm going to assume that they are late or erratic with a lot of other things in their life too. And so that <laughs> that's a conversation point for me to bring up with them. Um, especially the, the prep clients. I'm like, you got to have s- some consistency. And if you're late with your check-in, I'm going to assume that there's consistency issues elsewhere too, until you prove to me otherwise that that's not the case. It's I'm a pain in the ass. I, I can be a real pain no. in the ass. <laughs> but I think that that's important. As long as you set that expectation up front, some people mm-hmm. need, they need that kick in the ass to get, to start getting their own. That was uh, something a few years ago, I thought, it's not my job to teach time management, but in a way it is. Um, and, and now I do try to offer what I can contribute on time management. Mostly, you know this, if, we, if, if I can teach my client how to manage their time, I also am teaching them how to manage their stress, which makes my job easier. So totally. <laughs> it's selfish. One thousand percent. Yes, but absolutely. We, if we're going to make progress together, then that's okay when we talk about lifestyle coaching that's the type of lifestyle lifestyle coaching that i like to teach but i don't get to talk about that in a 30-minute training session with people (laughs) yeah and i I do a lot of that stuff with prep clients like contest prep clients is just making sure you got your ducks in a row because i work Mm -hmm. with a lot of beginners people who haven't competed before people that are trying to get to their first stage so i have to teach them how to be a bodybuilder and Part of it is like, you know, this is all stuff that I learned 20 years ago, but just the power of routine um, and understanding that that routine can flex and bend a little bit, but the basic yeah. structure of it is always there. Yeah. And I, and that's, I think that's what excites me about getting a new competitor. And I tell them up front, like your whole life is about to change. We it might, should. you might be tired <laughs> me for six months, but your life is now changing. And I get to be a part of that for even, I mean, I've got some clients we're on year seven, but yeah. some people it, it, I assume it might be six months or less. So I try to kind of, I kind of try to impact them as much as I can in that time. Leave and your hope mark. That, yeah. Like no matter what, whether they get on stage or not, hopefully I've, hopefully I've offered something for you to keep and make your life better with. Um, that's really what I'm passionate about as a coach is like, yeah, we, yeah, we have a goal of getting on stage, but I get really excited to teach them how to create their own life, their dream like life. The- the bigger picture change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm with you. It. That's cool. Um, <laughs> got time for a few questions from people here? Yeah. Um, this is from uh, via Facebook from Sarah Brown. She wants to know, this is a pretty big question. So feel free to be as vague as you want with this. <laughs> and the answer might be by my course. I don't know. How do you make your posing routine unique and stand out? That is a good question. Um, and I'm going to say it from what I hear from judges, what should stand out the most above the routine itself is your physique. <laughs> so the way that you make your routine stand out is by highlighting your strengths in your physique and masking your weaknesses. And part of that means knowing what those strengths and weaknesses are. I think a lot of people yeah. fa- fail at that. They don't, they don't have a good either self-assessment or a proper needs analysis from their coach to know what their strengths and weaknesses are. That's a, that's a really good point. It's like, and that's, I make sure to tell my clients what their strengths are so that they, not just for the confidence, but so that they know like, Hey, like I I firmly believe that anybody could win if they play their strengths up and they downplay their weaknesses. But yeah, when you get to higher levels, the weaknesses are much, it's a very small hallway. (laughs) And so (laughs) um, that's, a lot of people copy routines because that's all they know what to do. That's all they've got, which is 
I don't want to say that's bad, but what would be better is if like, I'm big on simplicity and solidifying posing. So instead of a really complicated, flashy routine through movement, focus on only delivering your physique through the poses that show that the best and, and let those things be savored. So you can have a you can have an excellent posing routine with four poses that are your absolute best poses that no other competitor could, even if they did the same pose, it wouldn't look like yours because they don't have those same strengths. But if you start doing 10 poses that don't suit you, now you're exposing weaknesses to the judges directly. And they're waiting for that. If, they're, if they are like, hmm, this is a stack competition and everybody looks good, they are hawking for glaring mistakes or gaps it, it so. it's kind of like I, I always like to make a musical analogy just because it's my uh my other passion <laughs> which is like if i'm gonna play a guitar solo on something i've got a few patterns i'm gonna stick to and if i try to go outside of that you're gonna realize i'm a pretty shitty guitarist right <laughs> those couple of patterns like i can sound fairly competent doing those like i can yeah. you know i can hit those phrases but as soon as i try to act like i'm eddie van halen it's like you're gonna realize i don't know shit <laughs> So, hide your weaknesses. If you notice, my my posing routine for my individual is is on the simpler side, um, because I know what poses I shouldn't be doing, even if a lot of other people do them. That doesn't mean that I need to do it. And yeah. I like to. I've also kind of respected from a judging seat, like what they need to see and what is almost it's almost a time and energy waster on on both parts. So when I first turned pro, I thought, oh, I've got to really level up my posing style. What really, really what I needed to do was get better at the poses themselves. I didn't really need to change the style too much because at some point you kind of start to lose the, uh, it's almost like I was spending more of my physical energy in my individual routine where that, that wasn't where my energy was really demanded. It was really demanded in the in the third or fourth round of quarter turns. Yeah. <laughs> where the when you're gasping for air. Yeah. So like I teach my pros, like especially for their pro debuts. I'm like, do not overcomplicate this. Express yourself, yes. But especially that first time out there, like it's it's a big stage, it's a bigger crowd. Um, you know, operate with a little bit of a net. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah, especially like I'll, I'll even say like for some national shows, but definitely pro shows, you're up there with groups of like 20, 30, sometimes 50 yeah. other competitors, which means you're going to be on stage posing for 30 minutes straight. So <laughs> be, save it. Be ready. Be ready. Yeah. Um, this next question, uh, so inappropriate. Why is she so beautiful? This is from some <laughs> schmuck, Team Sawyer 007, whoever the fuck that is. Um, he just had to get in there. That was the first question I got when I posted that Instagram story, by the way. So he was all over right. that. Is he available? <laughs> I don't know. I think he's taken. I don't can know. I, can I get his number? <laughs> I'll, I'll ask him. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can play matchmaker here. I don't know. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> Jim Borman has a softball for you here. Favorite meal? Is this a cheat meal or like? an everyday meal he does not specify so let's do one from each column okay this one actually fits into both columns and no way yeah <laughs> Derek cooks the best steak i've ever had in my life we have been oh. we, of all the years that i've gone out to eat somewhere 
he still could because he's like perfected it exactly to the temperature that i like he gets like a crust on the outside but it's really tender juicy on the inside so he's like almost studied my preference to where like that's always going to be my number one like this is a new york strip that Derek cooked like i would pay him money to serve it to me like i would at a restaurant but uh, <laughs> well he's gonna start charging you for it now he better shut up <laughs> yeah but we like to go out and eat sushi. That's kind of our thing. Oh, if it's yeah. I don't even want to say like a cheat meal, but like a refeed will work like sushi. Yeah. In. But oh my God, I'm going to take this from Derek too, because he just turned me on to it. So I used to do for breakfast, like egg whites and oats, like a pancake. I did that and for that 10 years. Good. Yeah. But yeah. he started doing pre-cooked rice. So he cooks the rice thoroughly first. But then when I go to make that meal, you fry the rice in the skillet for a few minutes, like with some Pam and it gets crispy. Yeah. And then you add your egg to it and it's like, it's just eggs and rice, but the, the texture of the crispy, it's like crispy on the outside and like soft on the inside. Um, so you, you do the egg in the same pan after you've, after you've kind of fried the rice in it. Yeah. So the rice okay. is cooked and then, and then you spray the pan with Pam and then add the rice, cook that for a few minutes until it's crispy, then add like your egg whites. And then it's just kind of like a ma mash mess. I don't know what I'm saying. It's, uh, uh, something like that. <laughs> See, th this is why these questions are valuable here because we get stuff like that that people probably haven't tried before. So that's, that's I never that's worth tried it. it. And all Derek yeah. does is he puts uh, like maybe some curry powder and I think maybe garlic salt. I think he uses olive oil sometimes, but I don't. Um, but I've flavored it different ways. It is so good. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is from Michelle. Uh, you, Autumn, recently posted an article about finding a good prep coach. Oh, but what makes a coachable client or a good client? And what should coaches look for in their potential clients that reach out to them? I love this question. Yeah, it's a good so one. She's so also much. a trainer. She, she's a client of mine, but she's also a trainer. That's so cool. Um, yeah, that makes me want to actually like think about this deeper and maybe <laughs> read another article. But I would say like when, when I, honestly, when I look for a client, I'm just looking for them to better themselves and to be open to that, which when I say bettering, like, okay, I'm going to use myself as an example. Before I hired my coach, Shane, now, six years ago, there was some bullshit that I needed to drop off because I had amateur ways of thinking. And I talked to him in June, but I didn't hire him until September because that took me that long to get really honest with myself about where I sucked <laughs> and, like, where I was – where I just was – um dancing around the hard parts of life and so i had to do a full reset and just like you hit on earlier like i'm as a coach and as a competitor i'm very control oriented and it was it was hard for me to be like i'm going to give up my control and let shane be in the pilot seat so i had to drop some control things off even though i was still being that providing that control for other for my clients so um they have it's kind of difficult to be a coach and a client at the same time sometimes you've got to be able to flip that switch back and forth between like i have all the answers here's what we need to do to like hey what do you think um i find that's a little way. a little difficult sometimes 
I think that was difficult like a few years ago, but recently I don't feel like I've even, I can't even think of a resistance there only because it actually, <laughs> it just keeps me fresh in the way that like they need to trust me. I need to be a trustable coach in order for them to mm -hmm. trust me. As long as we don't break trust, that, that that's a big thing. Honestly, if the person has respect, I can trust them and they're going to be open to better themselves. Then we can go down that conversation of are are we a good fit for each other, like personality wise and my methods. Um, but some people, I think they would be a good client and our personalities don't mesh or, or if I've had a client and they've broken my trust, that's really yeah. hard to repair. And yeah. I've, I've, unfortunately, I'm dealing with some of that right now where I have to ask myself, like, I love these people. I love them as people, but they've broken my trust and they've dropped the respect for me. I'm going to have a hard time opening that door back up. In my experience, like that's happened, but it's also not super common. Like I can think of pretty much every instance in my 13 years of doing this full time where that's happened. And it's it's not a super common thing, but when it happens, you remember it. <laughs> yeah. And I just take that as always flip it back to me and think, you know, what, what did I do to make this person feel like they couldn't talk to me or that they couldn't be truthful with me? Mm -hmm. um, so there's, there's kind of a personal side to it, but then from a business standpoint, I just try to make sure it doesn't happen again. I try not to repeat mistakes. And so I do have an agreement that they have to read through and it's pretty kindergarten, but it's a buildup of 11, 12 years of coaching and, and situations I've run into. And so sometimes that goes in the agreement and it's as dumb as we both agree that you're an adult here and you understand that if you put anything in your body, that that's your decision. <laughs> like it's, it can be really dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I have that conversation with with clients oftentimes if they have like, you know, we have the conversation about alcohol and like, you know, should should I avoid alcohol on prep? I'm like, well, yeah, duh. I'm like, well, what about off season? I'm like, look, you're an adult. You can put in your body yeah. what you like. Here's what it does. Here's why you probably shouldn't. But if you're going to do it, just be an adult and own that decision, understanding that it's probably not optimal. That's the kind of coaching that I do. I try to educate, encourage yeah. them. I, I try to make them feel confident in their decisions, but also explain to them, like, I'm not your mom and I'm not a judge. I'm here to, I'm yeah. here to help you on the same side, but it's a partnership. I'm, I'm not your mom. That's going to be the next t-shirt that I make with my logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love I mean, it. Yeah. And so it is, a, to me, it's a team effort. And like, I just explain, like, if these things happen that prevent me from doing our best, which means their best job and my best job, then we're going to lose time and progress. But that's, you know, I've, I've actually let some clients go be, because of things like that before, where if we're spent, if we spent a year together and I just can't seem to get them to want to commit and move forward, even if for, and I'm not talking about physical progress. I mean, I mean, mind like decision-making. Yes, um, yes, yes. I just asked them, I said, how important is this to you? Or are we, are we on the same page anymore? Because that happens sometimes. You, you can. It's just like a marriage; you can drift apart. <laughs> yeah, and that doesn't mean that I dislike that person. And that uh, that also doesn't mean I wouldn't work with them again. It just means maybe right now isn't the best time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got two more quick ones, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, <laughs> you you mentioned therapy before, so this is kind of in line with that, I think. So this is Grace asking, "What are some things you do to manage stress, especially during prep?" That is a very loaded question, but actually it kind of depends on what's causing the stress also. Yeah. And like, I'm proud to say that I've put in a lot of work 
to make my life not stressful. <laughs> and that, 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 that is hard. A, that is a really powerful answer, though. Yeah, not hard, and it also doesn't mean not busy. Stress is a different thing from those. I was telling yeah, people. but this this is a this seems like a I, I get really really crazy intense when it comes to efficiency and what I'll tolerate and what I won't. And it does change in prep. And Derek, Derek actually has helped me stay accountable with that. And he buffers so much that by the time something does get to me, he's already probably either deflected it or watered it down enough before it gets to me. But there's still other things that like, that's not his responsibility or his role. Um, so I, I will say Derek helps me manage my stress a lot just by being the type of partner that he is. Um, yeah. But my own personal stress, I, I have to ask myself, is this worth stressing over first? And sometimes it is. Um, but then I think, you know, I used to be someone that would stall and procrastinate about handling situations. And now I know that the sooner I handle it, the sooner it's not a stress. You, so, you aggressively knock that shit off your list. <laughs> I don't just knock it off. I try to, I try to eliminate it from. Don't the, don't get it on your list in the first place. Don't even touch. Yeah, don't even get in my space. But if it does leak it in, unfortunately, a lot of that just comes from other people. Yeah, some of my, it you can't control. If I experience stress, it's usually from an outside source. I don't stress myself out. I trust me. I get I get my shit done. Yeah. But when other people don't get their shit done and it falls onto my plate, then that's a problem or just um, taxing my energy. And so like this is this was accidental. But now I now I do it on purpose. Uh, like two years ago, for whatever reason, I was just waking up at three in the morning mm. and I was getting pissed off because I was like, why am I laying here until I wouldn't start my day till six or seven? And I was like, I'm just laying here for three or four hours miserable. Cause I'm not getting anything done. Well, then we jumped 24 hour gym and that's when my whole life prep life changed. Cause I was like, Oh, I can go to the gym at three in the morning. So I did, I started going to the gym at three a.m. and no crowds, no public yeah. <laughs> until I mean traffic. I don't sit in traffic. I don't do yeah. rush hour. I don't deal with like I am there, I'm the first person there when the store's open. I'm sitting in the parking lot because I'm ready to knock out all my errands before while everyone else is going to work. Yeah. I don't or or while they're still asleep. Yeah. And a lot of that um has you know, I'm I'm not as taxed by the end of my day because I get most of my things done in isolation before everyone else starts their day, which that way if I do have overlap where I do have to interact publicly, um, it's in small doses and I can almost handle that better and a lot of that what i mean is like the um i struggle with being a machine and human at the same time <laughs> that's fair so yeah even, even at a grocery store there are interactions where i have to rehearse an acceptable response because that's not really what i'm thinking or what yeah. that yeah but i know that for everyone it's best if i just say these things or don't do you have and the so, same condition that i do where you go to the grocery store and it becomes a personal challenge how quickly can i get everything and get out of here it's not even a challenge it's just what i like i know exactly what i'm getting from the grocery store Derek like, and i, I want to set the stopwatch and like i, yeah, I told I, my wife before time me 
And <laughs> I'm like, there's oh, yeah. that old game show that they used to do where they would run through the aisles, supermarket sweep. I remember that thing. And I think that game show left such an imprint on me. Like, that's how I grocery shop now. Yeah, but that's, that's <laughs> kind of my way with everything. I know. I know what I'm doing in life. I know exactly yeah. what the fuck needs to get done. And I go after it. And sometimes I have to take a step back and think, maybe someone else doesn't even know what they're doing today. And I need to respect that because I have those days too. And so I, it's almost like that thing of like, either get on the same frequency as me or stay out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, once I'm, once my sights are set, I'm, I'm going. And sometimes I physically run into people and I feel like an asshole. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I was just focused on my target. Um, but, but in, I would say like, general i think people are more aware now with i'll just say athletes but like the conversations around bodybuilding because of how i look um that slows my day down a lot and i love talking bodybuilding but there are certain comments that i'll receive that would that would stress me out um if i if i let them so Mm -hmm. that's what i mean about like avoiding stress sometimes i have to avoid conversations with other people and that means get up earlier <laughs> so, that, yeah. so that I don't do that. So I don't have to run into that. Um, People often ask me what my goal is in bodybuilding. And uh, it sounds weird, but my goal really is to develop to a point where I elicit comments and questions like that from people that I don't really want, but that's how I will know I've kind of achieved the physique that I'm looking for when it becomes a conversation starter. Um, yeah. Just from, from random do, people. <laughs> I do have some really amazing conversations out of that. So that's what I mean. Like, I don't want people to not talk to me, but I also, I have to prepare myself for worst case scenarios, just in case they go there. More How much do you bench? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or my problem is touching. No one is allowed to touch me. Oh, and God. I think that it's okay to just reach out and touch my biceps, and that makes me very uncomfortable. So I actually had a situation in Target one time where I, I blew up. I lost my shit. I was yelling. <laughs> and I caused a big scene, and I thought, you know what? Of all the times I didn't react, I deserved to react this one time. And it it kind of felt good, but it, <laughs> it took so much out of me physically. Like, I had a physiological response to that situation that for the rest of the day, I was just worthless. Are it you still just, allowed in that Target store? Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs> I guess because I didn't go over the head. But That's hilarious. Even with like stress, stress management, um, I've just the if I could narrow it down to one thing, I just have gotten really comfortable saying no. I so like if it. you ever ask that That's... question, learn how to and... say no with confidence and with no explanation. You don't have to that... explain yourself. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Just say no. Mm-hmm. Period. That's it. Yeah. If yeah. you ch- if you feel the need to explain or you choose to explain, great. But I say I know I almost say no to everything up front in prep until I think about it, and then if I feel compelled to say yes, then I will. But it's rare that I say yes up front. Um, so I try not to bite off more than I can chew. Um, I try to really establish my boundaries and adhere to them. Also, expecting that there are going to be some leaks. But I think that's that's what I've gained the most over the years is, is that, that learning to say no and not feeling bad about it has dramatically reduced my overall stress. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> you a baseball fan? I 
don't watch other sports. <laughs> okay, so in, in baseball, um, there is the legendary EFAS pitch, um, which is never really used in a game, but it's the thing where it's like, it's a ball that's lobbed with a really high arc. It's really slow. And if you throw one of those, it's gonna be a home run, pretty much. So I'm about to throw you an EFAS pitch of a question here. So it is gonna be the easiest home run you've ever hit. Um, <laughs> There's a last question that I have. Typical figure weekly training split. And I guess I would throw a question mark at the end of that. What do you think? Uh, um, honestly, that's that's kind of a hard one for me because I don't know that I I don't know that I know what a typical figure split is. I think that's the answer is that there okay. <laughs> you want you want you want typical who cares like what do you need as a competitor that's yes that's more along the lines of, of where I'm at especially especially from a coach's perspective um some people come to me with a figure body no problems that's just getting them conditioned um yeah. other people we've got some areas we need to develop or or downplay um so You've got somebody that wants to go from bikini to figure, like there's oftentimes a lot of work that has to be done there over a longer period of time. Yeah. But I mean, I've played around with a lot of different splits and I've used them in different phases. So sometimes I just do a three day split with push, pull, lower. Sometimes I've done four days where it's upper A, lower A, upper B, lower B. Sometimes I've, I've had times where I've tried hitting back three times a week and legs twice a week and shoulders once or twice and hands once like i've kind of tried it all and they all work as long as my recovery and my food is matched to fuel that um so i don't know that that's why i'm not sure what typical is but i will say for the highlight points for figure you better have some solid delt lat and quad training in there yeah <laughs> Yeah. If, if someone was going to hold me at gunpoint and say, hey, you have to write a, a, a figure training split for this person and you can't see them, um, I would do a shoulder day, a back day, two leg days, and then maybe just for fun, like chest and arms all together on a fifth day. Oh, yeah. I forget some people need that. I actually don't train. <laughs> I'm making myself train arms now because I have a year of I don't know what, but I haven't <laughs> trained arms in in years. Uh I'm not a big believer in ignoring muscle groups, even if they don't need a lot of attention or a lot of volume. Um, yes. Arms kind of being the exception there, but a lot of women lay off chest um, completely. And I'm like, you know, it's good to develop some strength there just for some postural support. Um, yeah. Just because Fun you don't want to be entirely posterior dominant. I agree with that. Even though I know that, I can't say that I've done that exactly even though that's what i would say the answer is i agree with you well when you're when you're competing at the highest level though it's really easy to be laser focused on what you need versus like hey maybe i should do a little bit of this too it's like you know you're, yeah. you're training almost exclusively um for a response to judges feedback yeah and that is that that is kind of the hard part about being in competition mode all the time but now that i've got some time I'm, I'm actually taking a step back and i'm going back to the absolute basics from when i first started lifting when i was 15 years old what was what was essential and then the stupid stuff like well your back workouts are obviously going to be better if your biceps are strong enough to assist so now i'm like getting back into some arm training purely for the assist for the bigger muscle groups but it's been a long time let's be clear you're just trying to <laughs> blow the biceps up a little bit to create another target incident 
say that one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to try to I was like, wait, he's asking a serious question. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do that sometimes. No. <laughs> That's funny. You're just trying to start some more fights. You're just you're like, bring it on, mofos. I got you. Come on. Yeah, I just walk through the target with big arms and then and then sick Derek on them. Derek, I don't know if you know this, he's the professional MMA fighter, so <laughs> <laughs> he really could fuck somebody up. <laughs> but That's luckily, hilarious. He's never, uh, he's so intelligent and he's more of a, he, he's a weapon physically, but also like with his words that he never needs to get physical. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. That's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, a good, uh, it's a good balance to have both of those. So you don't have to yeah. always fall back on one. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm pretty good with my words, but I have no physical fighting skills to fall back on if it ever became necessary. I'd be like, I don't know I'm, that I have either, really. Yeah, moment. I'd be like, just I, I want to try and look intimidating enough so that people don't want to start shit with me. But if they do, I'm screwed completely. <laughs> I'm absolutely screwed. I'm like, I'm running. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Autumn, that was awesome. Do you have um, what, what's your uh, website, Instagram handle? How can people find you and uh, get a hold of you? My Instagram is automatic, but it's spelled funny, which is autumn and then A T I K K for whatever reason. And then uh, website super easy, autumncleveland.com. Um, but really, the best way to reach out would be like email. So that one's like A T C L E V 01 at Gmail, like some college email I used. Uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, I'll put nothing, it on screen. Yeah, nothing professional yet. Uh, but. <laughs> I would say email or Instagram is probably like the most direct way to contact me, but they can always go to my website for info. Cool. You, you don't have like info at autumncleveland.com? No, I really should. Yeah. I, should. It, it, I mean, it comes with the domain. You can set that up. <laughs> yeah. There, oh my gosh. There's so many, there's so many little things that I need to go comb through with my business, but just like competing, it's like, I've been so busy with my business that even though like a decade later, I'm still like, Oh, I should do these. things. <laughs> well, you know, I, I tell you before, before we started recording, I told you, like, I used to have a tech background. And one of the courses that I'm, I'm considering putting together is like, you know, how to if you're a personal trainer, how to move that into an online coaching business and the kind of things that you have to do in order to translate your skill set and make it apply to communicating in a different way with people. And part of that is like, setting up your website, setting up your email, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I'm telling you, I got your back. I think you should definitely do that, especially with all of the options and apps and technologies now that are yeah. usable, like AI, like <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> yeah. So here's what you do. Go to chat GPT and say, write me a figure training split. And then you just copy and paste that and send it to people and then say, great, give me money. That's it. Easy. Give me all of your savings. <laughs> I guess. Awesome. So Autumn, um, stick around here for a second. We'll have a really quick debriefing. I will say okay. farewell to the audience. However, thank you everyone for listening and thank you Autumn for your time with us too. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. <laughs>